According to Healthline.com, American men and women average about 7.2 sexual partners in a lifetime. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Jason with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, hope you're doing well. Alright, breast augmentation, let's talk about it. Now, 94% of women who have breast augmentation are Caucasian females. Now, here's the thing. The majority of them that do this are from the South or out West. 60% of the women who do this, in general, are doing it for cosmetic purposes. The other 40% usually do it for medicinal purposes. They had a double mask, they want reconstructive breast surgery, etc., etc. Breast jobs start at about 4,900 and up in most places. Now in the South, the reason why many of the women have breast augmentation is due to the fact that they're trying to straighten out their breasts from having so many children and for breastfeeding, that kind of thing. In California and out West, it's more of a cosmetic thing that has to do with competition, has to do with visual aesthetics. Now you'll find a lot of women who do this that are strippers, entertainers, actresses, etc, etc. And some women do this in order to feel better about themselves. They want to still feel like they did before they had the children. And so this is like uh, a measure in order to compensate Now, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is this. Some of these women do this in order to seek affirmation from men. See, what it comes down to is this. In many instances, we are impacted by the way someone perceives us. And so, we do something. We put forth the effort. We expect some sort of reward for that. So the reward for many of these women is to be acknowledged, to be noticed, to be appreciated. And in some cases, the women may be born with an A cup and they want to enhance it. Understandable. They may feel better. They may have a form of body dysmorphia. It's understood. Now, the thing you have to understand, though, is that 
There are some people that really do not feel as though enough is enough. There's a lady that was on Twitter. Since I've been following her, she's had nine different breast augmentation surgeries. She's taken a set in, didn't think they were large enough, took them out and had some more put in. Kept doing it constantly. Now, I admit they look good, but now she doesn't look human anymore. And you have some people who go through extensive surgeries because in some way they're trying to feel better about themselves. Now, what I'd be interested to find out is the suicide rate on people that do this to that extreme. I'm sure it's probably pretty high. And we know that's an awful thing to do. But some people are so disgusted and dissatisfied with themselves that they'll be willing to go that extra mile to do that. You look at the high percentage of suicides for trans women when they go and have the surgery to have their genitals removed. The effort is they want to feel better about themselves and they think that the surgery will do it. In some cases, ladies, it will do it for you. In other cases, it won't. Because you may be broken inside. And that's what you have to fix first, or at least work on. When you're hoping to have this one magic pill that you can take that will send you to happiness and make you feel better about things. But see, it's all about your own self-perception. And when you start living vicariously through the perception of others about you, that's where you fall short. This is the advantage that men have over you. See, we know we can only appeal to a certain amount of women. That's it. I don't care how handsome he is, he knows he's limited. He's not going to more than likely go out there and have surgery. He's not going to go and try to go for a beauty contest, so to speak, competing with other men. So we already have the deck stacked against us in that you ladies can be far more prejudicial against us than we can against you. We have to accept what we can get for the most part, and you have the pick of the litter. That's the way it is because there are more men vying for your attention. Now, there's another thing we have to look at, too. When we look at who's out there, the majority of our population in the United States is over the age of 18, about 74%. This includes married people, divorced people, seniors, It includes everyone over the age of 18. But now when you break things down, you see the choices become slimmer and slimmer as you go down to demographics. So what that means is that 
Many of you ladies are trying to appeal to a larger audience, a broader scope of men. And some of you have bought into, again, that term I always say, universal acceptance. And you have to understand you cannot be accepted by everyone. That's the way it goes. People have their preferences. And what comes to mind is a friend of mine that I knew years ago. She was not the most attractive woman. Physically, she did have some attributes as far as, you know, the breasts, the hips, that kind of thing. So what she went on and did, she got breast augmentation, she got hip implants, she got a butt implant. But she was still wondering why the only thing these men wanted to do was sleep with her and that was it. She went on and got hair extensions put in her hair so they went all the way down to her butt. But she was still getting the same results. Her girlfriends used to tease her. They used to tell her how fine she was, how she had this nice shape. And she used to wear these very tight-fitting clothes, so whenever she went out with them, you saw this silhouette. Problem was, she didn't know how to use makeup. She had very masculine and hard features when it came to her face. I remember overhearing some guys one time say, damn, body is smoking, but face is like, oh, hell no. Her girlfriends tried to help her with makeup. She didn't want it, she said she didn't need it. She looked good the way she was. But the problem was, physically, she was it. But the face, she looked like a man. And there's no exaggeration. She did look like a guy, very masculine. A lot of guys used to think she was a transgender woman. Eventually, she fell in love with this one guy. Crazy about him. She was doing everything for him. She'd take him out on dates. She'd pay for trips to Solvang in different places just to be with him. He didn't have to lift a finger, didn't have to open his wallet one time for her. And she wondered why he was never really that into her. He treated her more like a friend than anything else. And then, one day he told her she was fucking ugly. Now, most women would have been hurt by something like that. Not her. She shrugged that off, turned around and said, well, any man would want a woman as fine as I am with my long hair, my long nails, my long lashes. They'll love me. She had contacts, the whole nine, you know, the violet colored contacts like Liz Taylor used to have for her fashion cologne. But what she did not realize was that a little makeup, a little lipstick, a little eyeliner would have softened her appeal up to men. 
But she was serious about not doing that. And eventually she wound up pregnant. Guy didn't hang around. And she wound up being a statistic. A single mom that eventually wound up on the system. What I'm getting at, folks, is sometimes you have to take a full assessment of yourself and see where you belong. To see where you fit in. And that's the hardest thing for us to do as people because we think we fit in everywhere and we don't. We think that everyone's supposed to like us and they don't. And we have to understand that we are going to be rejected in life by some of the people we really are crazy about, some of the people we really think we love, or in some cases truly love and get dissed. But this is the way it goes. See, people are fair. Life doesn't have to be. We try to make everything equal. Life doesn't give a damn. Time, the very thing that's our enemy on this planet, doesn't give a damn. And why it's our enemy? Because it has more of it to give than we have more of it to live. So within this space, that dash between a headstone, we have to figure out how to have the best experience. And it's very difficult to figure it out because you have so many things coming at you. Ladies, I don't envy you at all. I'm a man. I don't get marketed to half as much as you do. Even in my earlier years. Because women, you get marketed to for makeup. All these other things. And some of these things are life-altering. And some of them are irreversible. And some of it, the decisions you make, may have to do with your emotional state at the time. I remember one lady who I dated, and she was adamant about having a breast reduction. Not because her back was hurting, not because of any medical issue. She was embarrassed to have large breasts. I told her, I said, well... Here's the thing, if you don't have any medical conditions, why can't you leave what God gave you? No, they're too big. I don't like them. So she went and got them reduced. The very first thing that happened after she healed from the surgery, she began complaining about how small they were. And she went right back and had breast augmentation and had them almost double the size they were before naturally then she wasn't happy then and you have some people that are that way that security came in the background folks malcontents the doctor got frustrated with her and he said look you got to make up your mind because I'm not going to be going in here and risking your health 
with your indecision. So she chose to have him reduced to this smaller size breast and left it at that. She still wasn't happy. And it had a lot to do with her not being happy with herself. I didn't find out till much later. When she was a young child, she had developed early. And her family members started messing with her sexually. And that's the reason why she hated her breasts. So you have to look at the causation of things to motivate you to do things. Especially in those years between 18 and 25. That is where you're going to make your biggest mistakes in life usually. Some of you make them later on in life. But usually, 18 to 25, you don't have the experience, you don't have the knowledge, you think you know everything, you're an expert on nothing, even though you swear up and down you're an expert on everything. Everybody goes through that phase. Because you don't want to look like some youngster that doesn't know anything because everybody else has told you growing up that you didn't know anything. You had to grow up. You had to wait a few years. You had to learn. And so what this did, it created this burning sensation inside of your soul in order to act like you knew more than you knew. So in that way, you didn't feel as though you were that kid that they patted on the head. And the worst thing in the world is to know what you don't know. And that's how a lot of you get in trouble. You know, I looked at another stat based on the U.S. Census and Statista. Men, on average, only 2% of men will marry before the age of 18. Only 2%. 6% of women will marry before the age of 18. When it comes to 18 to 25, 50% of the women would wind up marrying between 18 and 25. The number is far lower for men. Now, the one thing that I would be curious about that I don't know yet, and I'm going to have to research it a little bit more, is to find out the ages of those men, on average, that marry these women between those years. Usually they're older. Now, when it comes to the demographic in the United States, according to the census, of people 18 years and older, the median age is 35.3 years. Now, what that means is that a lot of you are at a stage in life where you've had relationships 
you're in relationships and you're concerned about how your future is going to turn out based on that because you're in that phase of life where how do you used to say it you're too old to be stupid but too young to be wise and that's not a put down that's the truth because those are the crucial years of your life those are the decision making years in your 30s because during those years that's when you are all grown up and have to be that adult and you have to determine what things you're going to need to go forward because at that point you're only what 30 years away from being a senior And so how you apply those next 30 years of your life is going to be very important. Because that's going to see that's going to put you into a place where you'll figure out what will happen by your 60s or have an idea of where you're planning on going. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out. But that's when you start planning for things such as retirement. This is the reason why when you're in your 30s, 20s, those of you interested in buying homes you look at it in that age group up to around your 40s now you have to think about it when you get into your 50s talking about buying a house or in your 60s unless you're buying it cash you might not get a chance to fully enjoy it where you have the deed torn up unless you finance it for 10 years or 15 most of going for a 30 year mortgage 30 years is a good portion of your life. You finance a house when you're 50. Probably pay it off when you're 80. How much enjoyment are you going to have owning the house, having the deed in your hand? You got to ask yourself that question. We'll talk more in a moment. literally going to stoop that low to start a rumor that I'm a a pedo? That's not even something you yeah. joke about. Yeah. Well, you broke my heart, so now I'm going to ruin your career. Okay, first of all, I don't even know like I'm not scared because I know that's not going to work. Like how would you How would it not work? How would it not work? Well, first of all, I'm recording this. <laughs> so, I'm just going to okay. post it. So everyone oh, knows that you're so lying. It's just gonna flop like all your other posts. It's gonna get two views, no. and then you're gonna get embarrassed, and you're gonna delete it, so no one will see it. I'm not scared. Okay, first of all, this is not gonna flop. Yes, it will. No. And won't. you know what? I bet if I try hard enough and spread this rumor, I can get someone like Charlie or Addison. Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. Guys, this is what you have to avoid. This kind of female. These women have red flags and indicators before you even start dating them. The reason why I know, I got involved with three women that were like this particular woman. I wasn't accused of any kind of pedophilia or nothing like that. But let me tell you this much. They will tell you things 
that they will do if you leave them. And this is very important. Some of you ladies experience this with men. This is all predicated on insecurity. What this woman wanted to do was label this man a pedophile in order to get him depleted socially, have him emotionally bankrupt, possibly going to jail, even though she admitted the accusation was false. It was more about her hurting him. You see, she didn't even care she was being recorded. Now, what would most people do if they were rational? They would hang up. This woman has a mental illness. She doesn't care. She's sociopathic. I don't care as long as I hurt you. That's all that matters. But what do I always say, people? Hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. Now, some of you ladies have faced this kind of person before. Now, there are some problems with him. He probably knew going into this relationship that there were some anomalies. There were some things that were not right. There were some things that had to really be investigated. And he probably ignored them. Now, more than likely, this guy just wanted to go sleep with this woman. And fellas, let me tell you something. That kind of thousand-yard stare pussy is what I call it. That is some of the best pussy ever. You know what I'm talking about? That girl that's not quite all there, and she does everything to the nth degree, just like she'll argue and act a fool in public. She'll ride you cowgirl style until you don't even have any meat down there anymore and not know how good she is. And this is what hangs up a lot of guys mentally on these type of women. He's like, yeah, she's crazy, but she got some good pussy. That's what it comes down to, ladies. The worst type of woman your man can have an affair with is a woman like this. Because she has no boundaries. And you can see this. So it didn't register to her that what she was doing was illegal. She didn't care as long as she was hurting him by falsely accusing him of something that totally wasn't true. And she was going to ruin him through rumor. This is what this cancel culture is all about. And so, what happens here? It's gotten to a point where she was trying to threaten the five things that he and every person tries to protect. Their freedom their wealth, their mobility, their decision-making skills, and their reputation. She wanted to see him suffer. She wanted him totally socially depleted. And see what this actually is, folks, if you really think about it. It's a means in order to devalue him in such a way that he only sees her as his only option for happiness and love. It's a desperate plea in order to corner him where she could say, well, nobody loves you, so you have to come to me. I'm your only choice. That's where she wants to be because if she sees it, she has him boxed in. Now, the problem with guys who date women like this is the pussy is so good, a lot of times 
you guys will quit using condoms. Because these women are freaks. Ladies, I know many of you worry about a certain type of women that will take your man and your man will cheat on you with. I can tell you, you find a beautiful girl like this who's a little bit sociopathic, this is the kind of girl that will actually take your man from you. And when he breaks up with her, the both of you will catch hell. Because the thing is, with this type of woman, she look at people as, she look at people as possessions. You put your penis in me, you belong to me. That's the way they look at it. But they're not going to let him go. And this is the type of person that will show up at a restaurant, as happened one time when my girlfriend and I were out at this restaurant in Los Angeles. Monica and I were at this restaurant, upscale restaurant, and it was this man and this lady sitting there at another booth on the other side of the restaurant. And we heard some commotion. And this lady came in and sat in their booth. And she started talking loud. Started telling the other woman that he was with that he had been fucking her for so long. And she was telling, describing his penis, describing the positions they were in, where they had sex. And it was rather embarrassing. The management asked all three of them to leave because it really escalated and got loud. These are the kind of women that will do stuff like that. They have no boundaries. They have no shame. They don't care. They will do whatever it takes to hurt you, to get even with you. Because they don't want the man to hurt as bad as they do. Oh no, they want him to hurt much worse. And they do this deliberately. Because the way they look at it, the more they make him feel, the better they do. Because the whole goal is to get him back. But get him back in such a weakened state until he's totally dependent on her emotionally. To take away all of his options. Some of you ladies experience that with over-controlling men. Well, it's the same thing with these type of women. And God help you, gentlemen, if you get one of these women pregnant, you can forget it. You're going to child support hell. This is the reason why you got to watch who you put your meat into. Very important. Now, here's another thing. If these women really fall in love with you, I mean, really, I mean, go down to the mat for you. Don't think that many of these women will just give up. You may, they may go dormant for a while. I was reading one article in Russia that was a wedding. This man's girlfriend, ex-girlfriend from nine years prior, showed up at the wedding and started a fight. Because she was still stewing over the fact that this man left her 
for another woman that she did not know. Who knows, she probably would have been better off with it knowing it was her best friend or something of that sort. God only knows. But she was pissed off because he chose a woman, another woman over her. Nine years later, nine years later, she was still stewing over that. These are things you have to watch. Because those red flags, they're coming up along the way and you can ignore them if you want to. I've been in this situation several times before. This is the reason why I can speak on it so well. I met this gorgeous lady, but did not know how messed up she was emotionally. Some people call them crazy. I wouldn't call her crazy, no. She had separation issues. She had abandonment issues. She was insecure. And we went to Venice Beach one night, looking out there on the ocean. And she's in my arms and we're sitting there on the beach. We ain't supposed to be out there. And she says, you know, I'm beginning to like you a lot. I said, oh, that's good. And she said, yeah, my ex-boyfriend, he got upset and got a little creeped out when I told him I would kill him if he left me. And then she chuckled. And she said, well, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have done that to him. And I thought, I said, okay, well, she's just joking about it. The next day, we went down this, uh, they have a trail that's in, that goes from Venice Beach all the way up to Santa Monica, where you could walk down the beach. And we were walking down there, and there's this Caucasian couple. The woman I was with was African-American. And they were jogging towards us, and the woman spoke and said, you know, hey, how you guys doing? Innocent, speaking to both of us. This woman turned around to her and said, bitch, don't you worry about my man. And I'm like, where in the hell did that come from? And the lady turned around and she kept running and just looked back, shaking her head. And I said, what was that all about? And she said, oh no, I saw the way she was looking at you. At that point, there was one red flag. A couple of weeks later, we went to the restaurant, get something to eat. She goes over to the maitre d' and says she wants another waitress because she didn't like the way the waitress was looking at me. Paranoia, folks. And this is what did it for me one evening. I went over to her place and she told me, the voices are telling me that you've cheated on me. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but what I was dealing with was a schizophrenic. And after that, I said, you know, I'm not going through this. And she's asking me, did I cheat on her? And she started sitting up on her knees on the sofa and she started crying. And she started banging on the coffee table 
telling me who did I cheat on her with and I'm saying to myself, oh my goodness, I done really stepped into something I didn't mean to. But fellas, let me tell you, she was very attractive and the pussy was good. But I had to come to some realities. The realities were, I had overstepped my boundaries with this woman as far as relationships, as far as going into a full-blown relationship with her. Because we were at the point where we were starting to think about that. We were about in our third week of dating. The sex was not even an issue. We had sex the first night. And let me tell you, she could suck a golf ball through a garden hose without a problem. But I had to come to the realization later on, yeah, I could have kept doing that with her, could have kept having sex with her, but I knew at some point this woman was going to try to get pregnant in order to seal me in. A couple of times we had sex, she literally stuck her hand down there like she's adjusting my, my penis. And she actually slipped a condom off. She got pissed off one time because I put another one on to go back in her. Literally got upset, started throwing things. And I knew then, mm -mm. I was way neck deep in something I shouldn't have been in. So this is the reason why I tell you fellas, if you don't get nothing else out of this particular segment, Please, 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 follow the red flags. I'm telling you, they will help you. They will save you. Because this guy right here, even though he's telling her all these things to counter what she's doing, she's going to try her damnness to ruin this man's life and career. More in a moment, folks. Just to give you a point of reference, I'm 59 years of age. I decided at age 30 that I was not going to purchase a home. I was going to rent and lease. The reason being, my career was contingent on jobs. Jobs are not stable. It's not like the 1950s and 60s where you stayed on a job for 30 years and the company took care of you. It's a situation where employers only expected you to stay with them three to five years. And you had to move on. Companies change. Companies become merged, sold out, different things. So it's very volatile now. So you have to be more flexible. And your flexibility is reflected in the way you handle things. Now, some of you have stable jobs and stable careers. It's all well and good. And there are many of you who ask, if I lost my job, I'm screwed. So that was what was called a Mustang. That was a person that studied up a lot and got jobs based on my knowledge, 
based on the field that I worked in. And that was all well and good. But I knew then I had to go back and get the credentials in order to substantiate my position in the workplace. So I went back to college, got my associate, got my bachelor's, got my MBA. But here's the thing. I did a little bit later in life because when I was younger, I made damn good money. And I thought it was gonna last forever. Thought the only thing I needed was those skill sets and that was it. And then for a minute there, I started thinking, well, you know, the only thing I have to do is just uh, learn about the new technologies and things as they come down and I'll be okay. Wrong. I need to get a core education because I believed at the time that it wasn't about the piece of paper, that's all it was. But oh, there was a lot more associated with it than a piece of paper. Constituency, professional practices, structure, protocol, all those things came into play. And what I found was, what it took me to learn over years, it was consolidated in me learning in months. So I went to California to get to Maine. Basically is what happened. And many people do this. Now, what were the implications? After I went and did this, what happened? I wound up where I was making more money. It was much easier for me to understand concepts. It was much easier for me to go forward. And it was a lot easier for me to use those critical thinking skills that I had. When you are out there on that grind and you're trying to keep a job, you're trying to provide, trying to get everything together for yourself, the money's coming in good, but sometimes you'll get kind of comfortable thinking that I don't have to do anything else. Then I started looking at those guys that I worked with who were chained to the desk for 20, 30 years. And they were totally dependent on that job. And if they lost that job, the whole world would crumble. Guys in their 50s with kids still in college that they're paying for. They had been working there 30 some odd years couldn't even think about retiring. They had to stay longer. When they switched me over to HR in one company, I worked in separations. My job was to sit them down and explain to them, those employees, that their relationship with the company was no longer needed. 
these people were obsolete. They had to take the golden parachute because the job was going to be phased out. And some of those sweet, loving, and nice people that I used to see and used to tell me hello in the morning used to call me some names that I can't even repeat. And the N-word was a compliment compared to what they used to call me. These people had mortgages at 40 and 60 years of age. These people had kids still in college. Kids that they were still paying apartments on. It was a tough call. Can't tell you how many times we had to have security called in. And they get pissed at me because I was a contractor, and not only that, I was younger than all of them. And I started seeing this, and I said, damn, what if that was me sitting on the other side of this table? What if that was me as a 50-some-odd-year-old man worried about what's going to happen next? Losing my identity because the only identity I had would be that job. Coming back home telling your wife that you no longer work there. And then the self-perception of looking at yourself as a failure. That woke me up. That made me see things in a different prism. And the first thing I said was, I didn't want to be like those guys. And they'd sit there and some of them would curse and be angry about starting a family so soon in their lives. And the kids haven't really got on their own yet. Men and women used to do it. Again, life isn't fair. People are. And I would sit there and listen to them. I couldn't say anything because I couldn't relate to their situation. I was in my 20s at the time, late 20s, early 30s. These people were grown, well into their 50s and 60s. So it was a challenge. It was tough. What I'm telling you folks is there's more to life than struggling. I tell you fellas, especially you black men, when you hear these women coming to you talking about the struggle and how they're struggling and it's just all struggle, she may not be the best choice for you as a girlfriend or a wife. Because she's already been conditioned that that's the only way to make it. And the reason being, you look at the situation, look at the behavior that led to the situation, and that gives you an idea of what you'll be facing. Now, this doesn't apply to everyone. There are exceptions to the rule, but the rule is not the exception. 
This is just to help you along. Starting a family too early in life when you're not ready for them financially is the worst you could possibly do. I know you love your girlfriend and all these other things, but you have to be practical. Society looks at you as the male to be the provider. Even though she can provide for herself, she can provide, they still look at you. That's the way society goes. And so with this, that means you have to have multiple skill sets. That's what I had to do. Work on different skill sets, different aptitudes. Challenge myself in areas where I was weak to make myself stronger for the changes. I remember we used to get applicants in and they'd have a resume that would say something like worked at Burger King for a year and a half, worked for a temp agency for one year, worked for this company for a year, that company for a year. And when we see that, the person didn't know it, but they were already not considered. Because the way the company looked at it, they were unstable. But we didn't understand what they had to go through. They probably was on a job and lost the job and had to get another one through no fault of their own. But they were treated just like anyone else would be treated at that time. That snapshot of what they saw. The thing is, folks, I know in our society today, We talk about we don't like to be judged and don't like to judge people, but people judge us all the time. And we have to face that reality. Because if we don't, we put on the rose-colored glasses and we walk through life. And it bites us in the ass many places along the way. So what I'm saying to you is, if you're young, you're 18 to 25, start structuring your life now. If you're younger, if you're a teenager, start having an idea of where you'd like to go. Start researching the careers you want. Start researching the educational opportunities you can have. Look at some of the scholarships that are available. Make education your primary focus. Well before girlfriend, well before a family because I'm going to tell you you will need it because those things are going to help you going to college is not like going to high school the responsibilities are on your shoulders and the misconception for a lot of people is yeah going to college is just like high school no It depends on how you approach it. 
Now, I know some of you don't agree with me, and you're saying, well, oh, why are you always talking about college? Why aren't you not talking about vocational education? The problem with vocations is like this. With vocations, the problem is that technology can be outdated, and then you're obsolete. This is what I used to see happen over and over with a lot of those people that I had to give that golden parachute package to. And this is what happens. You look at even the technology field, there are certain languages now that are not even in demand anymore and it used to be very popular. C++, Fortran. Now they want you to have it with the Microsoft component, right? There was a thing called Visual J that Microsoft had years ago. It was Microsoft's version of Java. People got certified in it, it went nowhere. So you have to be very careful. Now, another thing too. A lot of you run into the temptation of going into debt very early in life. Many of you will go and do things such as finance a brand new car. You do things such as move out too soon, taking on too much responsibility with credit cards. Consumer debt is your enemy. It's never your friend. I put it to you this way, before you go into debt, go into investments first. Invest in the 401k, Roth IRA, and put money in it religiously. Because the money that you're paying, that $35 or $45 minimum payment you're making on that credit card, you could put that in the market and that it have a longer longevity than that credit card would that you could ever pay. Because the way they tease you and the way these credit cards work, they'll give you a $200 limit starting out, especially if you're fresh, new, don't have any credit. You pay on time, then they bring you up to $500. You pay on time, then they go up to $800. You pay on time, then they go up to a thousand. You pay on time, then they go up to twelve hundred. You pay on time, then you go up to fifteen hundred. What they're doing is this: they're giving you the opportunity to borrow more money than than you have at any given time. And you don't want to be in that position. I always recommend that if you're using credit cards to have cash in reserve where you could pay it all off at one time and be done with it. If you can't pay it all off and cut those cards up, it's going to come back to bite you. The worst thing in the world you could do is file bankruptcy. Let's say you file bankruptcy at 18 because you went and blew those credit cards and you had no way of paying it back because they gave you more credit than you could actually support. 
Don't you know to be about 28, age 28, by the time you're able to reestablish yourself? Ten years. The most constructive and productive period in your life will be from 18 to 25, believe it or not. That's going to have a great impact on your future as how you approach it. Because at that point, you can start in a direction of bettering yourself, putting yourself in a better position. See, that woman that goes to college at 18 and starts her job, graduates at 22, and then starts her job at about 23, by the time she's 25, she's got about two years into the company. Most companies, you have to be vested. You have to do five years. So let's say around 28 or 29, she's ready to look to get married, have a family. She's been established enough on the job where she's got sick time put away. She's got vacation time put away. She's got a cushion. So she's prepared. But a lot of women don't get to that point. A lot of you think, I'll just have the kids very early, around 18 or so. And by the time I'm 36, my kids will be 18 and I'll be done. You don't know that. Theoretically, it sounds good. Practically, it may not be so good for you. You get that 18-year-old kid, you almost got him out of the house. If it's a daughter, she winds up pregnant. If it's a son, he winds up with a child. And now things are complicated. You might have to help him out. or help her out. You have to choose the path that works best for you. You have that choice up front. You just have to look at your options. Go to college, you go to the military, where the military could pay for your college. You could go and work and see if the company will pay for your education. There are ways you can go. The one thing you don't want to do is to wind up at 38, 40 years of age and say, damn, I haven't done crap with my life. You'd be surprised how many people are saying that now in their 60s, 70s, 80s, wishing they could do it all over again because the time that they trivialized was the time they really needed to get things in order. See, what most people like to do is to have a life of leisure. 
That's what life's all about, folks. It's not about just working yourself on the ground. You look at how hard we work in America. You get two weeks off and you work all the rest of that time. What was it, 2,080 hours for the year? You work. You can multiply that by your hourly wage that tells you what your base salary is annually. In other parts of the world, they get 30 to 45 days off a year. And they still get the same level of production accomplished. Many of these countries. But see, the thing is, the way America is structured, corporations have the advantage. Hell, you really think about it, it wasn't too long ago that they were still trying to get children out of the workplace. And yet, we still have the equality issue with women in the workplace. So we haven't advanced that far in that realm. We still have a lot of work to do as a society. So now you got to be a little bit more practical. We have inflation now that's kicking us in the tail. Fed's supposed to raise the interest rate. When they raise the interest rate, which is the discount rate for banks to borrow money from them, and if they go up two points to about 2%, you can count on the banks charging you 29 and a half. So they walk away with a 27.5% profit. And a lot of these banks are realizing now they're losing customers to a lot of these online banks, a lot of these banks that have reduced fees. Bank of America just cut their bounce check fee now to $10 instead of $35. They have to change with the times. As consumers, we dictate how they operate. But the problem is a lot of consumers as well as employees don't realize the power they do have. We fell for right to work years ago, remember that? Many of you now are working for very low wages compared to what people had back then. Those jobs have been relocated from places like Detroit down to places like South Carolina and Georgia in non-union shops in many cases. See, right to work was sold to us as this competition against foreign labor. But it actually was nothing more than corporations trying to get states to go for their bidding to see who could go to the lowest common denominator and they would go there and set up shop. Corporations had tax breaks. Think about it. Lower labor rate. What more could you ask for? 
And then in many of those communities, the companies had to right away when it came down to anything that had to do with disputes between employees and the employer. They could fire you for whatever reason, without any rebuttal. But these are things that we've allowed to happen. Now, how does this relate to you and dating and relationships, right? Well, it relates in the sense that it's very expensive to go out on dates in many places in this country. I looked at one estimate in Los Angeles, it's $475 to go out on a date. Some of the cheapest places it was to go out on a date for two was Missouri at $65. Arkansas, I think, was $67. But a lot of other places, it was in the hundreds. Just for one date, one decent date. And what that means, ladies, is this. It means that a lot of these guys, and you have a lot of these women talking about five-star restaurants and all this stuff, a lot of these guys can't afford it. So it comes full circle. It hits you in the wallet. The cost of living. You look at a two-bedroom apartment here in Vegas, it goes for about 1800 a month in a decent area. Now, if you want to go to a crime-ridden area, of course, it'd be lower. But 1800 a month is about the standard. To rent a room here in Vegas, a room in someone's home or in an apartment, you're looking at spending about $450 to $2,500 a month. Why is this? Because you have people here who have been divorced, they don't want to give up the house. They don't want to give up the lifestyle. And they're looking for someone to come in to meet them halfway to help them pay the mortgage and the overhead. Because they don't want to lose the house. But they don't have enough resources in order to do it themselves. They need someone else. And this is how a lot of these relationships in general wind up where people are cohabitating and then they become lovers. And they may not be suited with the best person that they could be compatible with, but it's the most convenient that they could be compatible with. And so they deal with it. So they may undergo a lot more problems with this individual than they would had they gone out and found someone that was a lot more compatible. And they just make do what they have. See, the problem, as in many parts of the country, is that Vegas is growing, as an example. However, the wages are not close to being in pace with the economy and with the cost of living. People coming from California, they don't care what a house costs. They'll pay that price because it's cheaper than what they were paying in California to get that house. Those property taxes go up. The prices of homes go up. But yet the wages are still stagnant. 
We have institutions here that are trying to make ends meet. Retorts World. They're talking about putting an NBA stadium in there and having a, a team franchise come here to Vegas. NBA franchise. You're only talking about 2.4 million people in Las Vegas. That's it. 80 square miles. It's a small town with a big city lifestyle. That's what we're dealing with. Even the locals here, as an example, they have their own casinos. While everybody's so enamored about going on the strip, the locals know. I'm not going to go and spend all that money on the strip now if there's a discount or some kind of sale or something like that or special. Then they'll look at it. But outside of that, no. They'll go over to Santa Fe, Fiesta, the Cannery, or one of the other casinos that's a little bit more feasible. But they're not paying all that overhead. But again, folks... It all comes down to it's integrated. These costs, what you do for a living, how much you make, all of this is relevant to the lifestyle that you can afford to live. And starting out young, it's always best to go for something that you're overprepared for than to be underprepared. So in this way, you don't have to worry about poverty so much. But you can still make it. Keep your head above water. As long as you live within or below your means, preferably below your means. Because the more cash you have, the more cushion and the better you can sit and make decisions, informed decisions. When you're struggling and you don't have these resources, Sometimes you'll make decisions out of desperation, out of necessity. And guess what? One thing leads to another. Remember that saying that guys would say when they get a girl pregnant? Yeah, one thing led to another. And that's the way it happens. And before you know it, you started out struggling as a teenager, and you wind up as an old senior citizen still struggling. It happens. More in a moment. folks let's go into the mailbag Jeff out of Atlanta Georgia don't come to Atlanta do whatever you do 
These women down here ain't about shit. They talk a big game, but they have little to bring to the table. And don't get me started on this table stuff because that's a whole ball of wax. They come across like they have all this and they have nothing. I met this girl in Buckhead. Went over to see her for a couple of weeks. Her birthday was coming up, so I thought I'd surprise her. I came over with a gift. Found out not only did she not live there, she claimed that that was her house, which it wasn't. She lived in a rundown apartment complex in Smyrna, Georgia. I was so disgusted when I got there, it was pathetic. She was embarrassed. Hair was nappy as hell. That nice BMW that she was driving? No. She had a beat-up Chevy Cavalier. It was all a facade. I went out my way and spent all that money on her for that. I was so pissed off I didn't even give her a birthday gift. I went back and got my money back. I'm tired of this. I run into it a lot. Says she didn't have kids, she had three. Sick of this shit. Man, you just don't know how tired of it I am. I am one black man that's not looking at another black woman ever again. At least not down in Atlanta, that's for damn sure. Wonder what it's like in Vegas. Please inform me. I would love to know. You can read this on your podcast if you want to. I'd really like to hear about what's going on in Vegas. Is there any opportunities out there for a guy to find a decent woman? Because ain't shit happening here in Atlanta. Jeff. Atlanta, Georgia. Jeff. (laughs) Believe it or not, many of the people that come here, a lot of them come from Atlanta. A lot of these girls. Usually they go back, though. Because it's cheaper to live back in Atlanta than it is in Vegas. Now, a lot of them come here and they say, well, there's nothing to do here besides the strip. Pretty much true. There are a lot of other things to do here in Vegas if you're local. But if you're just coming here with that tourist mindset, hey, let the strip empty your pockets, because it will. But for the most part, you're not missing anything out here in Vegas, dude. I can tell you that now. One thing I will tell you, though, is this. You may want to start looking at other places in your state. Now, I know Atlanta is like the epicenter when it comes down to anything worth a damn in Georgia, for the most part. There are maybe Savannah, right? So, you know, it's one of those things where you just got to pick and choose. I personally never did like Atlanta. And I'm sorry to my listeners out in ATL, but it was, and I'll tell you what it was. It was the way Atlanta was structured. I don't, I didn't like the way the freeway went through the city. I know it's petty as hell, but it's true. I just did not like it. Not at all. It's one of those towns that just, I don't know, it just didn't set well with me. But then again, the South didn't either. That's the reason why I'm out West. Because I don't have to deal with no damn bugs. I hate bugs. And out here, mm -mm, I don't have to deal with them. There are not too many open bodies of water. Even when I was in California, I didn't have to deal with bugs for the most part. But what I would say to you, sir, is 
Here's what I would do if I were you. I wouldn't even think about dating anyone in the metropolitan area in Atlanta. Because the problem is, you have a lot of angry women in Atlanta. Most of the angry emails that I get from black women, they either come from Atlanta, sometimes Houston and Baltimore, but mainly Atlanta. Because a lot of women are frustrated down there that they can't find a decent man. Now, ladies, if you're in the Atlanta area, Jeff is a viable candidate. But for the most part, dude, you have to navigate through a sea of angry women down there. Now, there's some good women in Atlanta that are wholesome and really would be a good wife, a good girlfriend. But it's difficult to find because they're kissing frogs just like you are. And it's kind of hard to really get to a point where the two of you can actually be on the same page. I get it. I totally understand. And so with that said, it should be a situation where at some point you should be able to figure out a way. Now you could go to Elite Singles See what you can find there. And that usually gets you out of that fray. And try it that way. Now, Jennifer just wrote with a question. And I thank you, Jennifer. She just wrote this. Do you really think it's okay for two poor people to be together and start a family? When I say poor, I'm talking about My boyfriend's on unemployment, and I'm on WIC. I have three children from a previous relationship. Never married the father. But I'm debating whether or not to go through with this relationship with my new boyfriend. We've only been dating now for about three weeks. He wants to have another child. I'm not down for it. This is a bone of contention between the two of us. I love him very much, and he loves me but I don't know whether or not another child is warranted here. I could barely afford the three I have. Really, I can't afford them because the state is paying for them. I really would like your advice on this. I'm only 23. And yes, I made the mistake of starting out too early with an older man. And he walked away from me as soon as he found out that I had my third child. I really don't want to make any more mistakes in my life and I'm just wondering. What are your thoughts on a girl in my situation? My dear, this is what I would tell you. Overall, I think you're making the right move by not having another child. And with him, um, there's no reason that he's unemployed if he's healthy because there are a lot of positions open now. Now, if he's one of these people that says, oh, well, you know, the job that I want hasn't come around yet, you don't need him as your man. See, here's the thing. Even if you're by yourself, you'd have that pride, you'd hope, to take on a job that could sustain you, to pay your own bills. 
See, right now, the problem is the two of you can't even pay your own bills. So personally, I wouldn't recommend this relationship going forward until the two of you can do that. It's not even about him paying for you. It's about you being able to pay for yourself and him being able to pay for himself. See, as long as you two can do that, then you can merge. Because see, here's the way it goes. As long as this person can manage to pay their rent and the rest of their overhead, and you can pay your rent and the rest of the overhead, there's a possibility the two of you could consolidate. And the money that he was paying in rent, the money that you were paying in rent, you guys could consolidate that and see if you could find a cheaper place for the two of you. While the other debts will still stay the same, then you'll also be able to merge your debts such as your utilities and that kind of thing, where it won't be so burdensome. However, I think you need to have him get a job. I mean, you can still love him and everything, but he's probably going to try to get you pregnant. Because right now, the way he's looking at it, he has full access to you. And with that, it could be very easy for him to do that. But there could be a possibility that he's trying to get you pregnant in order to keep you committed to him. Now, don't be surprised if that's the case. Because women do that for men, but men also do that to women as well. So, I would kind of step to the left on that if I were you. At least for now. Just And, and see, here's the problem. Again, you don't have any standards for him to meet. Standards should be, you should be able to get your own job and pay your own bills. Ladies, I'm telling you, that is the best alternative when you're trying to talk to a man and trying to figure out whether or not he can provide, if he can sustain himself and you can sustain yourself, that's a starting point for the two of you. But if you're dealing with a man that can't support himself and he's coming into your home and he's expecting you to be the one to take care of him, no. No. And I advise guys not to do that either. Because if you're not careful, fellas, let me tell you what happened. It happened to a friend of mine. And I talked to him and talked to John, I think, yesterday. And we will talk about this. I told him I was going to bring this up somewhere along the line. I asked him if it was okay, and he gave me the okay. He moved a woman in with him. She had no job, no nothing. Boyfriend had basically quit paying the rent, moved out, and left her there in order to fend for herself. Well, she couldn't afford the apartment anymore. So they kicked her out. They evicted her. After that was done, my friend put on his cape, his superhero costume, and he came in there to save the day. Brought her into his place. And what he didn't realize was this woman had about $5,000 in credit card debt, no job, 
the car payment was past due by four months, about ready to be repossessed. She had to come up with something like $3,900 to keep the car from being repossessed. She also had delinquent bills, student loan that was delinquent by several months. He went in, went into his retirement, pulled out money, paid the penalties because he was too young to really draw the money out without incurring the penalty and paid the taxes on it and paid all this woman's debt off, let her keep her car, got her student loans current, and went on and uh, paid the credit cards. And he thought everything was wonderful. Well, one night she decided to go and see that old boyfriend of hers that left her in the shade. From that one night, she got pregnant. Eventually, she told my friend about it. Friend was hurt. Wanted to kick her out, but he decided, well, we'll probably work it out. But what happened, ladies, just in translation for you ladies, the pussy was that good. Yes, that's the reason why she stayed. And that's the reason why he didn't kick her. So she went on and had the baby with him. He couldn't throw her out now. She had an infant. Everything went pretty well for the first year. Second year, she started noticing that bills started coming in with her name on it. He was wondering why. Now, by this time, he had depleted about a good, I'd say, 40% of his retirement, putting it towards her bills. She finally came down and told him she had taken out two more credit cards, got a credit limit of $3,000 on one and around $3,500 or so on the other. She would charge these things up to the max, buying clothes, baby clothes, all kinds of stuff. And she tried to hit him with the guilt trip about, after all, you're his father, etc., etc. Now, not once did she ever look at going to go after child support for the biological father. He made mention of this. Maybe you should look at him in order to try to pay for the kid. That started a knockdown, drag out argument. It took him a while to get her out of that apartment. It took her about six months. It took him about six months to get her out. Every time he tried to get her out, she'd go to court. And she was there. By the way, I forgot to tell you. He also put her on the lease when she first moved in. Reason being, it was a requirement. If you had an adult in the house, they had to be on the lease. So what it came down to, when he got her out of that house, he was about $45,000 upside down from what he had taken out of his retirement and what he had spent on her. This woman gets out. She finds another dude. She moves in with him. Things start all over again.
She made it a point to come to my friend's job in her brand new Mercedes that the new man had got for her just to show off and brag. That whole, I want to see how you're doing type thing. He told me he could barely compose himself because he wanted to knock the hell out of me. I told him that wouldn't be the wise thing to do. But guess what she didn't do? He asked her one question once more. So is he paying child support? No. That's my business. Now what this tells you is that, and I tell you fellas this, there are some women out there who would like a guy so much or love him so much that she will never make him be responsible for anything. But yet she'll put you on front street for any incremental infraction. You know that old saying? I don't love you, but I love what you do. That applied to him. And John, if you're listening, please correct me if I said anything wrong or left anything out, sir. I'd be more than glad to have you on the show to correct me on this. All right. More in a moment, folks. Hi everyone, Jocelyn here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Hope everybody's doing well. Michelle writes the following out of Washington, D.C. My girlfriends and I were debating whether or not it was a good strategy to be a little bit more combative with men, a little bit more confrontational, a little bit more intimidating towards them. I think not, but my girlfriend thinks that that's the best way to go because after all, in order to get a man's attention, A woman needs to be more aggressive and needs to really claim her man. Make him feel uncomfortable so in that way he'll be easier to get along with. I have questions about this strategy. What say you? Michelle, your approach is probably better than your girlfriend's approach. Here's why. As men, we are always in competition with each other. We're cutting each other down to get to the girl. At work, we're standing our ground. Uh, Parking spaces, for instance, a guy will go get out of his car and confront the other guy. As men, sometimes we have that quick trigger. We're aggressive like that. A lot of times when we meet a woman who's that same way, it builds up sexual energy. And these women are getting the wrong kind of attention and energy. They're thinking that, 
Oh, well, I'll get his attention this way and then he'll respect me. Ladies, no, what he's trying to do at that point is he's escalating the situation so he can have sex with you because he's going to take his aggression out inside your vagina. That's what it's about. I hate to tell you this, but that's the way it's going. Now, Michelle, you probably noticed that many of your girlfriends get the sex, get the penis, but they don't get the man. That's the reason why many of them have that attitude. More than likely, and I don't know you from anyone else in the world, Michelle, but I guarantee you, you probably have more success with men than they do. And with that comes a sense of envy. Because they're going to criticize what's worked for you because it seems like that more than likely you're probably in more stable and healthy relationships than they are. One thing I will tell you, whatever you're doing that's working for you, keep doing it. Don't allow your girlfriends to influence you in a negative way. This is what ruins a lot of women. When they try to fit in with that girlfriend or those girlfriends that are not, how could I best say it, appealing like they are. Let me give you an example. One evening, I met a lady, very nice lady, and she was with her girlfriends. And I was out, they were there chatting and laughing and everything, and I observed them. And I observed the one that was quiet. She was very attractive. And she had these eyes where she would look at you and then she'd look away. She'd steal those looks. And I knew then, that's the one. Now the rest of them, they were joking around and having a good time. And of course, when a guy would walk over to their table, I'd watch the noses go up and watch the eyes roll up in their heads. So I said to myself, okay, what that tells me is avoid all of those others and go for the one I want. And so I did. But here's the interesting thing. She was poised. She was a lady. She smiled. I introduced myself to her. I introduced myself to the table before I went to her. I wanted to know her name. Immediately, like watchdogs, these other women became very defensive. Why are you coming over our table talking to her? That kind of confrontational posturing. And I said, I just came over to ask her her name and tell her hello, along with the rest of you ladies. Yeah, well, you need to go back where you came from, one of them said. I said, I will. I have no problem with that at all. And then, of course, they started saying things, laughing and things, cracking jokes. Now, the interesting thing was the lady I was interested in didn't crack a smile, didn't laugh. She just looked at them. And I said, well, looks like I won't get the chance to know your name. So I walked away and I said, have a nice evening, ladies. And I went and sat down. The whole night, those women were shooting other guys down. A song came on, apparently, that the lady that was interested in me liked. She came over to my table, stuck out a hand. I grabbed her hand. She walked me to the dance floor, and then that's when she told me, you got to forgive my girlfriends. They're not like me. 
as we got to talking a little bit more, she started telling me some things. Not necessarily bad things, but things that embarrassed her by being around them. Of course, she was the draw. She was the one that would attract the men. The rest of them were scavengers. These women were not ugly, but the problem was their personalities were horrible, underdeveloped, immature. And she gave me her number, and she says, uh, let's go to the bar and have a drink. So I went to the bar and had a drink. The one that told me to go back to my table comes over, and she says, why are you taking my friend away from us? Old girl looked at me and she said, I got this. She said, I'll be over there in a minute. You guys go and have a seat. So I went back over and they sat down and we were still sitting there talking. I said, well, I don't want to keep you away from your friends because after all, it seems like they have a lot of influence in your life. She said, no. She says, I'm the kingmaker here. They're here with me because I attract the men. We went on to talk a little bit more. Found out a few things about her background. I shared some things about myself. And she said, well, give me a call later on tonight. I'm going to drop them off, and after I drop them off, then I'll be free. She did so. And I got home around 11 o'clock that night, and I gave her a call. Apologized for being late calling her. She was happy. We talked for about an hour and a half. The next day she calls me up. She says, uh, what are you doing? Nothing much. Can I come over? I was kind of skeptical at first, but I said, yeah, you can come over. She came over. We had a wonderful time laughing, watching television, ordering pizza. I had a good time. And then she explained to me the situation with her girlfriends. And the problem was, she was advancing herself out of a situation of poverty. Just like she tried to carry them along with her. She helped all those women get jobs at the same company she worked for. She kind of looked out for them, so to speak. And the problem was, it was now starting to hurt her. Not only on the social level, but also on the professional level. And what she didn't quite understand was how to let people grow and how to outgrow them. And she felt as though she was doing something wrong by leaving them behind. And I told her no. And then I just told her this. If you were on a stranded on a desert island, it was just you and them. And there was only one piece of food on that island. And even if you split it, it wouldn't be enough substance in order to allow you to live another day. What would you do? She thought about it and she said, well, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a messed up situation. I would still figure out a way to cut, cut them up in pieces. And I said, that's where your problem is. You look out for other people, but don't look out for yourself. 
And she thought about it and she says, maybe you're right. One of the girlfriends at the table that night, one of the silent ones that didn't say anything but gave the dirty looks, she co-signed for a car for her. And the girl finally paid her back years later after the car had been repossessed. She just stuck her neck out too far for them. And ladies, I will tell you, this is one of the things that will get you in trouble more so than anything. You gotta have limits on men, on your girlfriends, on your family, because those people can actually control your life in some aspect. And it's a tough call to make because these people are close to you and they're, they really are people you've known for a long time. But see, they also run that guilt on you every once in a while about, oh, you think you're better than us, just like she told me, as her friends told her. You think you're more privileged than us. But what she decided to do was break the norm and go out and venture out to get a job, get a career, to get an education, to get herself established. And they followed on. This is the reason why many men do not like females who follow. They want a woman to be a leader, but she doesn't have to be an insecure, assertive leader. The woman who can lead without raising her voice. That's right. The woman exudes confidence because she's really thought through the things she would have proposed. A lot of men like those type of women because the reason being these women can handle themselves. He has confidence that she's going to tell a man that's trying to talk to her, no, I got me a husband, I got me a boyfriend, I don't need you. And be okay with it. Instead of being one of these women that are being confrontational, then fall like a deck of cards when they find out this guy's interested in them. And willing to lay down and let the guy run over them. One of the worst things a man can experience is to be with a woman and he's invested time, money, effort, emotions, and everything in her. And another guy comes along that didn't have to do a damn thing and she gives him the world. That's a deep cut. And some women use this as an exit strategy when they are ready to end a relationship and don't want to end it in a normal fashion. Instead, they want to hurt the man. So they go and get an ain't shit guy as a prop and treat him like royalty and treat a former man like crap, even though he's laid out all these things for it. Now, men do this as well. Don't get it twisted. But you see more women do this as well. 
Now, another thing too. A lot of you ladies just have to be yourselves. And I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about you trying to do what a celebrity did or trying to do what somebody else did. I'm talking about you being you. Because that's the most attractive thing about you, ladies. When a man finds a woman who's confident within herself, she doesn't have to be cocky. doesn't have to be egocentric. She doesn't have to be over the top. She doesn't have to be loud. She don't have to be boisterous. She don't have to be intimidating. But just be who she is. There's a man that will come along and love you genuinely. But as long as you have that facade up, no man's going to be interested in that for the most part. Ladies, it's the equivalent of that man who's insecure, who's trying to always act like he's macho and in control. It's that same thing. You're not impressed by that. What you see is an insecure man that's trying to, a boy that's trying to be a man, really. Some of you have written in about being in those kind of situations. Where the husband was going out trying to fight every damn body. And what it came down to, that woman was the best looking female he's ever had in his life. And he was so insecure of losing her that he was going to fight anybody that came within earshot of her. Because if he lost her, he would lose his identity. He would lose the props from the other fellas. And it would hit his self-esteem. Because she was probably that girl, that same woman, theoretically, that turned him down in high school. That he tried so hard to get and finally he has her in a relationship and he's not going to let her go. Emotionally desperate. Yes. But so insecure that he has to figure out a way of trapping her into that relationship. So that she couldn't get out. A lot of times they'll try to get her pregnant, keep her pregnant, get her to gain weight. And she becomes like a trophy. You know, like they have those deer trophies hanging on the wall, the head of the buck. Years ago, we had a friend of ours that used to... uh, I always brag about all the women he slept with. And this is what he would do, basically. He would go up to a very attractive woman and ask to take a picture with her. And of course, you know, the obligatory putting his arm around her waist. And presumptively, we would think, oh man, this dude's got it going on. He got all these damn women. But in reality... None of those women were interested in him. Not for a relationship. They called him friend. And he'd lie to us and tell us, oh man, you know, yeah, she and I, we, you know, we got it going on like that. And blah, 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 blah. One day this lady showed up. 
she treated him like a total stranger. She was cordial, but you could tell it was no romance. And then he comes over and tells me, yeah, you know, I broke up with her because uh, after I hit that, you know, it was, it was like, yeah, fella, tell us another story. It was only obvious you didn't hit it. Mm-mm. But that was his way of fitting in. You know, a friend of mine years ago told me when he was in prison years ago, he said he could always tell the new cats that were coming in because they'd always talk about how tough they were on the streets and everything. And he said he'd just listen to them. And then he'd tell them, that was a nice narrative. But what we want to see is what you're in here for. And then they'll see he's in there for a petty theft. And so all those grand lies he told when he first got there in order to fit in, put him in a different light with everybody else, which meant they couldn't trust him. You have to comport yourself to your environment. Sometimes it works to your advantage. Most often. We'll talk more in a moment. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.